I forgot what sound a chocobo made when I was talking to Amanda a few days ago. So I just, I don't know why I just said chocobo. Like a chocobo was a Pokemon. <laughs> oh, jeez. Isn't it quay or walk, work? It depends on the game. Depends on the swear word. Yeah, that's true. If I could keep that straight, I would honestly be tempted to put in a different generation <laughs> of chocobo sound for each swear word if I could keep it straight. <laughs> gets a different one than gets a different one like <laughs> depending on how bad the swear word is it, it, we just go up in generations hello and welcome to episode 80 of rhythm encounter the rpg fan music podcast I'm your host, Mike Salvato, and as you can probably tell, today we're talking about the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters. So if you've been listening to past episodes, you know we've been promising and trying to do this one for several months. We we pushed it back a little bit because Final Fantasy VI came out later than expected, but now that all six are out, we finally got to sit down and you know put together a show about this music, and I think you are going to like it. So joining me today uh, to talk about Final Fantasy remastered music we have three people so first is random encounter host john o'logan i don't think we should do this episode until they're all released on switch personally all right <laughs> solid well, solidarity with switch that was a short Bye. podcast yeah all right this could be our <laughs> april fool's show oh all right oh no no see no, you no, later no. everyone oh i think we have something i think we have something a little better than that for the april fool's episode um also joining us today is Features manager, Zach Wilkerson. Hello. And Audra Bowling from Reviews. Hello. Very happy to have all of you here. Some of you have recently even reviewed some of these Pixel Remasters, so I think you're all going to have a lot of good commentary here. Uh, Let's, just a quick little introduction, let's talk about, like, which of these games each of us are familiar with, just for fun. I'm happy that we are going to represent all six games today, which is awesome. John, let's put you on the spot. Okay, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I have played all of these games. The only one I have not completed is Final Fantasy III, um, and I've been meaning to do the Pixel Remaster. The only reason I haven't played Final Fantasy III is because I just, I don't know, I, I didn't like the fan translation of the NES version, and the DS remake just never seemed to, it, it never, I never vibed with it properly. It never really clicked with me. Um, but I'm super excited to play that one. But otherwise, I, you know, I played Final Fantasy, the original, probably four or five times. Two, I played once using the fan translation for NES. Four, I've, I have no idea how many times I've completed it. Five, I recently completed it uh, again for uh, the Retro Encounter episodes. And six, again, I have no idea how many times I've played it, but many, many, many. Well, that's impressive. Not really. It's just being an RPG <laughs> fan, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, don't. Oh, boy. I can't go after that. Oh, <laughs> throwing fire. I know. All right, fine. You know what? I'll, I'll do mine just to get it out of the way. But, you know, unfortunately, the very early Final Fantasy games are my weak spot in the series because I have played and finished nearly all of them from six on um, and four. Uh, but I just I wasn't playing them back on the NES. So I have not finished one through three. And also, they were never available. Well, one was. One came out here. One came out here, yes. And then I have, I also have the DS version of three, but didn't really get very far, do much with it. Um, and then five I had on the PlayStation, but, you know, I played through, I'm pretty sure I finished six on the PlayStation, but I just never got to five. And I think I couldn't deal with the with the load times and 
speed of that. Understandable. But I put up with it for six. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I am at least playing through the Pixel Remaster of one now, and I'm trying to do them in order. So my plan is to have all of them, you know, finally finished soon. So Audra, I know some of these are new to you. Yes, I played the Pixel Remaster of two and five and six, actually. <laughs> so... My exposure to them has been pretty recent. I played the PSP version of Final Fantasy 1 and the DS versions of 3 and 4. So I've played a version of each game at least once. And good versions too. But the Pixel Remasters were some of my first playthroughs. So I mean, from what I've played and seen of them, I think that's a great place to start though. Oh, they're definitely very definitive versions, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially if two. Oh, I bet. What about you, Zach? Well, two is the only one I haven't played to completion. Um, otherwise, my story is pretty similar to Jono's. Um, I did play Pixel Remaster 3 for review, and I liked it a lot. Four, uh, I played some RPGs before four, but it's the first one that is like crystal clear in my memory, remembering like the art, watching my grandparents play it. Um, five, I played on the PlayStation. Six, I've played a bunch of times for one um so yeah i mean like I, i'm familiar with a lot of them but two i just i, I couldn't handle it <laughs> I, I, I couldn't hang it makes sense <laughs> yeah i could i couldn't hang uh with the fan translation version of that and uh you know eventually i'll probably not play it um so yeah uh, <laughs> otherwise uh that's my experience um with the early versions that was a good plot twist in the middle of that <laughs> eventually i will not play it <sighs> It really has no bearing on today, but the one I think I would struggle to say is has a definitive version might, I mean, for me anyway, it might be four because four has been remade so many times. So and many I have times. Oh, that's very that PSP version. Mm. I have very strong feelings about that PSP one. I was always yeah, upset that none of the other games in the series got that treatment. At least strong feelings about half of the of the <laughs> PSP version. No, no, I mean, well, sure. Final Fantasy I mean, 4 on PSP. You're <laughs> making it sound like there's a collection with like a second game or something, but it was just for the original. It was just I've never heard of that. <laughs> um, I'm not really going to trash talk the after years, having not played them, but I've heard enough that I don't think I want to. You don't. <laughs> you should just play Final Fantasy 4 again. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a better choice. I did get it on sale once, so. There is like a one semi-okay storyline that is mostly just aping a storyline from Final Fantasy 4, so, you know. In the random episode, we realized that Final Fantasy the after years has Golbez in a kilt, and that's the only reason yes. to play that game. That's a good reason, honestly. That's, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't know until uh, Alana brought that. It was Alana, right? Alana brought yep. that up, and I looked up the artwork for Golbez in the After Years, and I was like, "Oh, wow! I didn't know that was a thing." So <laughs> with yeah, the panting provine hair, I like the idea that all the Lunarians have Scottish accents now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Puts an interesting light on Fonsoyez. Uh, yeah, stop kidding. So the moon is just Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Having lived there, it feels like it sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they might like to be. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about all six. Um, Unsurprisingly, three of our eight tracks ended up being from Final Fantasy VI. But, you know, I think we pretty much knew that was going to happen, given that we didn't want to do this show without six being released. Um, The funny thing is, too, I, I had this whole introduction planned and how we were going to discuss it and like how you can get these games now, but there's been no word about the soundtrack or if they're going to release the soundtracks. And of course, the day before we record this, they Square finally released the soundtracks in a weird manner. Um, I don't know what it's going to be like when this episode goes up, but right now you can stream them on their 
they have a Japanese website set up for it, and it's all free. You can buy them through some a Japanese um, online store, and I think you can buy them through iTunes. Although linking to the albums doesn't always work, and they don't stream properly on Apple Music. Um, I assume all of this will be fixed by the time this airs, but if not, uh, there are some options. We'll link. We have a story up so you can listen to these like officially in full. Um, but hopefully it gets cleared up because right now it's kind of tricky. It's a journey. It is. Let's see what happens if I click this. Nothing. <laughs> it sounds like playing Final Fantasy 2. <laughs> it's still not working. So either the Pixel remasters are not available for streaming in Canada or it's still not up. I know. It's just weird. Like for me, it opens up in Apple Music, but you can't play them. And if I search through iTunes, I can view them. I haven't tried buying them. But there's a price and theoretically I can buy them, but maybe it doesn't work yet. It's just mm. there to taunt you. <laughs> so hopefully it's it is it works itself out. And after you people listen to this, they will be able to go and listen in some other capacity as well. So I say we uh, we get started here. Cool. So I'm starting off this episode with a pick from the first Final Fantasy. It's our only Final Fantasy one song on here. And I brought on the arrangement of Chaos Shrine from Final Fantasy. And then after that, Jono has a song from 4. Yes, uh, I'm going to be doing the overworld theme from Final Fantasy 4. That is a classic. Well, I guess I guess they're all classics, aren't they? Yeah. So, all right. Let's go listen to Chaos Shrine and main theme of Final Fantasy 4.
You know, I thought given the recent release of Stranger of Paradise, it would really just be wrong not to start this off with some chaos. Real chaos. Yeah. One must kill chaos. Exactly. Um, but seriously, it's really just because, you know, I listened to um, several songs on the Final Fantasy One soundtrack or this version of Final Fantasy One soundtrack. And I'm always drawn to Matoya's Cave because it it is one of those classic iconic songs um, and it has appeared in other games like 14. Um, unfortunately, it's also one of the only Final Fantasy one songs we've had on the show, maybe more than once. Um, so I definitely put that off the table. Um, I think the next, my next favorite song in the first game was definitely the Chaos Shrine and the arrangement in this one is just gorgeous. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it more as we go on with the show, but you know, the arrangements for the whole series, I think they got, they get a little bit lighter each time because like, especially by the time you get to six, there's not as much they need to do because they, the tracks already were, they just had more tools at their disposal back then. But when you listen to the arrangements, especially from the first three, like they're so different from the original because they're doing things that they just, they just could not do in the eighties and early nineties with the hardware. And um, the chaos run especially is just, I love the instrumentation and how they, how they put it all together and the strings, the, the strings in here. Like for me, that's really what sells it. Like it adds this like air of mystery. Like if you, if you played, I'm sure several versions of Final Fantasy one, but if you played the pixel remaster, like just the, the vibe in there, when you walk in, it's misty and mysterious. Like I think the way they in, did the instrumentation on this really fits the feel of the chaos shrine, at least when you first encounter it early on in the game. I mean, I think what's interesting about it is like, it doesn't sound like a dungeon theme to me. Um, and the way that they play around with it, I think it works pretty well. Um, and, and so I like, I like the, like the sort of like this, like rushing water sound that's like swelling and receding as you're walking through it. Um, and like the, like the really simple melody of the piano, it kind of gives you, as you said, like that notion of mystery, but it also, I don't know if it's cause it's early or not, but like, it feels, it feels a lot calmer than I would expect from a final dungeon track, um, which I think is really interesting. I'm not really sure that I can attribute it to anything except for the fact that I like that it's different. Um, and I, I, I feel like sort of like the way that the, uh, the, the, the timpani builds up towards the end of it, but it never totally resolves. I think is really interesting too, um, in a way that, kind of maybe makes some sense with the storyline of Final Fantasy 1. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's really cool. I agree. I mean, yeah, with the orchestration of this this version of the orchestration really gives a, a mysterious feel. It's like I can almost see like mist in the shrine kind of thing. Um, something that I found interesting that I was doing when I was doing my prep for this episode was uh, listening to the original and then going back and listening, uh, listening to the uh, Pixel Remaster version and ask myself, okay, what does this song do in the original? What does this song do in the Pixel Remaster? And how well does the feel uh, of the remaster uh, sort of match up with that? And I think the original MIDI of this section, it's always been a fade because it appears so early in the game, so late in the game. Uh, it's super short. The loop is super short, but it gets the point across with very little actual uh, music. It just, it's, it's very short. And uh, yeah, I think that one of the strengths about, actually, you know what, I'm going to say this right now, because this is true for every single song that we're going to be talking about, um, which is uh, in the original NES games, and to a lesser extent, the SNES games, all, all the MIDI songs were just loops. Like, that's what they were. They were designed to be loops. So whether or not that loop was like 30 seconds for a lot of the NES games, or like a minute and a half for the Super Nintendo games, uh, that's what you'd get. 
Um, but something I love with all of the pixel remaster versions is that they don't just loop. Like the second time around, they usually pick different orchestrations. They pick different mm. uh, different uh, instrumentations uh, and give you a different color to the song. So it takes you on a journey uh, rather than just repeats over and over again. Um, and this song does that very, very well. The strings that come in the second time around adds a real nice texture uh, to the overall song. Um, and I think that the quality that the song originally had and the feel it gave you of like exploring this this destroyed shrine is only deepened by this arrangement of it. And mm-hmm. I think that they yeah. re- they really did a great job with it. And I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that we kind of talked around it. And I'm not going to talk any more directly about it, but like the way that this one in particular changes from like that sort of simple piano to like string xylophone horns and like the way that those three are like interplaying. Um, like hints at some things that you wouldn't be aware of. And I, I like, and I, and I agree with you. Like one of the things that I think is really interesting is the way they extend it. And one of the things I was trying to think about is like what changes in those extensions. And I feel like they added more instruments this time. Um, and it got a little more intense in that second half in this version. And I think that makes sense in the context of this game. I just think it's an awesome arrangement. Oh, it is. I mean, I mean, we that's, that's a blanket statement that I suspect we're going to be saying about every track in this. It's, <laughs> genuinely i think i said this when we were talking about the final fantasy 5 episode but yeah redoing all the graphics and making them the pixel perfect but they're not they just they kind of look like we remember them but similarly uh these sound like we remember them almost yes uh, yes, if we haven't heard them countless times in the past uh the amount of effort that square enix put into uh just doing these incredible uh soundtracks for the pixel remasters is jaw-dropping they easily could have gotten away with doing like modern day pick modern day midi and stuff like that but they didn't they went all out for it yeah i mean i definitely appreciate it yeah and i think that um and we'll talk about this too like knowing that there are like multiple versions of lots of these songs hearing how they've interpreted something like i don't know uh, we'll talk about a dungeon that comes up again in final fantasy 14 later um the way that they managed to like adjust the way that that sound has come out like like it's actually a little more stripped down than some other versions. I think it's really cool too. Like it feels tr- true to the spirit of the of the original, in ways that I think is really cool. Yeah, I think it highlights the the game's atmosphere more. Yeah, that's a good. I realize we're we're talking about just everything now instead of just Chaos Shrine, but that is a good point, Zach. I like that we've heard so many of these songs arranged in countless ways over the years, and they really could have gone overboard with it, but they actually, you know held back a little bit to Mm -hmm. kind of keep the spirit of the original. And I appreciate that. Kind of like they did with the main theme of Final Fantasy (laughs) four. That's a good one. Very nicely done. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I Final Fantasy four was my first RPG. My first, like it's the first time I played through the whole thing. I've talked about it a lot on the podcast, so I don't really need to do it here. Um, But because it was my first RPG, realistically, this is my first overworld theme. Uh, And because of that, I have a tremendous amount of nostalgia attached to it. So to separate my nostalgia from the song is tricky, but I think I've done it. I, uh, I adore what they did with this version because again, you know, I don't even need, I didn't even need to listen to the original uh, in this case. I just know what it sounds like. Um, But I went, I went back to another version of it, which is uh, the DS version because there was a full polygon remake of Final Fantasy four and uh, with, you know, new music and, 
very similar to what they did with uh, the Pixel Remasters. They just did like orchestral versions of the entire soundtrack. However, uh, the version on the DS is a very conservative uh, orchestration of this song. It's lovely uh, and it's extremely true to the original version. Uh, but this version uh, in the Pixel Remasters does several different things that really brings this song to life for me. Uh, first off, like the build is there at the very beginning, and it's the same. It feels very much the same as the beginning. The it's it's a really nice build that brings you into this world. But in this version, there's like a wind sound effect in the background, and the wind sound effect is in various places throughout the uh, throughout the track. And for me, it, it almost makes it feel like you're taking in an entire vista, like the whole world is in front of you, and you're taking it in, and it's 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 a living world. Um, the percussion in this version of the song, it drives the, the song forward in the exact same way it did in the, in the original, but the different instrumentation uh, throughout it creates dynamics that this is going to sound a little weird for me because it's, I'm, I'm, so associate, I'm associating this with the whole world uh, and the outside. It almost feels like, uh, for me, like weather systems, like different instruments uh, give a slightly different feel to how the outdoor is. And because of that, it's like rainy or it's beautiful or it's stormy. And uh, I really, really like that. So the different, like when the strings are playing the melody, uh, it feels one way. When the horns are doing it, it's another. When the woodwinds are, it's another. And I, I really like that. Um, the song for me, whenever I just hear this, I know I'm, I know that I'm ready. To, it's what I associate with an overworld. And because I think it's a great, I think it's my favorite overworld theme. I mean, I know it's my first, but I also think it's my favorite, partially because of nostalgia, but partially because they just nailed it. Their first attempt on the SNES for an overworld theme, they got it. Yeah, I mean, my feelings are pretty similar to yours. I mean, like, again, this wasn't my first RPG like you, but it is like the first one that I remember really vividly. And everything has been compared to it since. <laughs> I think about like the first OST I ever bought was Final Fantasy IV. Um, and in some ways, I prefer it to the one that we all know is probably better. <laughs> um, but um, it, it's it's delightful. And the thing that struck me this time um, is the way that it seems like the, the flute and the harp and all the things that are kind of coming together almost make it feel like a little dreamlike to me. Um, mm. And I think that kind of getting to that notion of fantasy and that notion of like you're in a different space and that notion of mystery because um, I remember when I was a kid when I was playing this, like I just, I, and again, like playing it now, I'm like, of course I know it's around every corner, but and I think I would even still, but um, if I hadn't played it before, but like it feels um, so otherworldly and in, in like a very subtle way um, and in a way that I think makes the drive of the rest of the track um, like move you forward towards like the mystery of what's out there and like the dreamlike nature of what's out there. And I, um, I think that the way they use the harp in particular here um, ended up making that work really well. And I, and I agree in terms of the way they were changing to different elements of, or different instrumentation was just fantastic. I like that uh, perspective. I like the idea of it being dream dreamlike and otherworldly, yeah. um, which really fits with an RPG in general, but especially with where this game goes in its story. Um, I think that really works. Maybe that's what drew me to it too. Yeah, Zach, what you said about uh, fantasy. It's, it's a really, really great fantasy theme. Yep. Yeah, it brings to mind like a sweeping story that's just going to take you away. I think that it really captures that emotion. Yeah, it does. And, and given that everything up to now like totally aped Miyazaki or Joe Hisaishi more accurately, it doesn't feel like, uh, a, like a Ghibli track to me as much either. And I think that 
that kind of distinguishes it in really interesting ways too. And like it, it, you can see Omatsu like sort of stretching his legs into an overworld theme. Whereas the other three, as much as I adore Eternal Wind and wanted to bring it if it wasn't four tracks, or four episodes ago, <laughs> um, feels like it would be right at home in Castle in the Sky. This feels unique um, to Final Fantasy um, back then and now. It doesn't just feel unique to Final Fantasy for me. It feels unique to Final Fantasy IV. I was, I just, this occurred to me and I'm trying to think about the different, the three different overworld themes for Final Fantasy IV, V, and VI. Um, I guess Final Fantasy VI has uh, a few different overworld themes. But just the main one, if you if you were to change them out, if you were to put them in other games, they really, really wouldn't fit. It's fascinating how overworld themes have a certain feel that we recognize. We listen to it and it feels like, oh, this is the overworld, but it's very specific to the game. Like if you put this overworld theme into Final Fantasy V, it wouldn't fit at all because Final Fantasy V yeah. is like infused with the spirit of adventure. Mm-hmm. It would be very out of place. Yeah. And this has a much more uh, melancholy feel to it without being sad. Just a little bit of melancholy. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of fits for FF4. <laughs> yeah, it does. Going off to, not, we're not going to kill chaos. We're going to kill a little girl's mother. Oh God! Oh my God! Spoilers. <laughs> See, I was, I was going. I really wanted to talk about like dreamlike nature of it and how peaceful it is and all that, but like that's just out the window now. You know, I was, I, I was really thinking about how I would like a sleep story, like in one of those apps based on this song, um, but now, yeah. now I don't. <laughs> So. Moral of the story is, kids, if someone tells you to deliver a bomb ring, say no. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm sure this, is, this isn't this is going to hurt anyone. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I have, unfortunately, not a whole lot of original thoughts to add here because um, my introduction to RPGs was almost exactly the same as Zach. Like, we have the same origin story. Because I played Dragon Quest, and it was... Uh, however far I got when I was, you know, six. I have no idea. Probably not that far. Um, but this was the game that got me into RPGs. So I have the same level of nostalgia and all that. Um, but one thing I do like, um, you know, John, you talked about this a little bit about the different instruments that come in, but I, I specifically like the way all of the instruments are layered together in this song um, because that's something that they couldn't really do. Like, I guess they could do it a little bit with the Super Nintendo, but not to this degree. They're, they didn't have that level. But I just, I really like listening to this one again. Um, well, today or when, whenever, but I listened today and I was really honing in on that. Like how you can hear the different instruments at different parts and how just how everything is like layered together and weaves together. It's just fantastic. The interplay between the instruments, yeah. Yeah. And I do kind of, I have to agree with the DS comment about that it almost seems held, like it hold back in a way compared to this version, which I feel like this one's maybe the more powerful of the two. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I'm, I guess people in my particular uh, social group tend to think about the word, like I'm uh, the word conservative as a negative, but I'm not using it in a negative sense here. Like the DS version, the entire DS soundtrack is a very conservative uh, arrangement of the uh, Final Fantasy IV soundtrack. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's very conservative. Uh, as compared to all of the Pixel Remaster, so that I would argue there is nothing conservative about any track in the entire Pixel Remaster collection. No, they pretty much went all out with trying to, I think, convey emotion through them. Yeah, I think they really, uh, they really asked themselves the question: Okay, what, what does this song do? What purpose does this song serve in the story? And let's lean into that with the with the new orchestration. And I think that for the most part, they just nailed it. I would agree, Mike. Something that you said. Um, that resonated with me. I, I, I think it was because I 
I listened to all of the the MIDI versions uh, before, like just before I listened to these versions. You were talking about the interplay of the instruments, uh, and I was paying really close attention, much more than I usually did uh, listening to the MIDI versions. And the layering is there. Like if you're really paying attention to it, you can hear how the uh, very various MIDI instruments. Uh, play off each other. But the problem is that because MIDI is so limited with the sounds it can create, uh, it really does sort of blur into each other. So even relative complexity uh, is muted because a MIDI instrument, a MIDI horn and a MIDI string, yeah, they sound different. But when you put them side by side, they're much, it's much more difficult to hear the difference. Whereas if you put uh, actual horns and actual strings next to each other, yeah, you know exactly which one is which. And uh, yeah, because of that, it just deepens, even if they did a conservative arrangement, just having real instruments mm-hmm. instantly deepens the feel mm-hmm. of every song. It always yeah. makes me wonder when Amatsu was arranging this, like how he was thinking about like the MIDI sound. You know what I mean? Like, cause like there are times when I'm listening and there's one track in particular um, that I wasn't super crazy about, but, um, and I wonder if like the reason I wasn't crazy about it was because like the sound that he was creating in the MIDI version, like is it doesn't match up to like the instrument that I associated with it in some cases. And I wonder how much he was thinking about that and how much input he had into these. I know he was involved in the rearrangements, but he didn't actually do them. I don't know. I just find the whole thing fascinating. I wonder what it was like for him having been limited by the uh, NES uh, sound to all of a sudden have access to the SNES sound card. And like all of a sudden having all the all of these new instruments open up like the difference between the original NES and the Super Nintendo in terms of sound is very similar to, I guess, the difference between the Super Nintendo and these versions with full orchestrations, like having all of those new tools uh, available to you. It must have been incredible. Speaking of new new tools that are incredible. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) As in tools you can use around your home, for example. (laughs) okay all right we had a tag team that one we had a tag team but we got it all right so our next block here um audra tell us about your song my song is home sweet home from final fantasy V. awesome and then zach this is also your first song in the episode my first pick is celis or celeste's theme from final fantasy VI. Oh, really because i was i was really convinced as a young stupid kid that her name is celie's so if you, you want know, to that go part with, did not occur to me, if you want to go with that, well, yeah, I know, but you know, you're also talking to someone that played mystic quest with his brother and really had, had never seen the word, the name Phoebe typed out. So we had some interesting ideas about that one too. Phobe. Uh, she was Phoebe. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's favorite friend character, Phobe. I know Phobe. Oh, I shouldn't be admitting this. We're going to cut all that out, right? Absolutely not. Um, all right, let's go. <laughs> Let's go listen to Home Sweet Home and Salas' theme.
Well, since um, with the Pixel Remaster, it was my first time playing FF5. I hadn't really heard Home Sweet Home before in the original version. I'd actually heard a vocal track from um, Dear Friends, I think it album. Mm-hmm. And that was, I've always loved that vocal track version of it, so I really wanted to hear the Pixel Remaster version of the song. And it really just, it captures so much emotion and sentimentality and just the feeling of returning home, but things being different. I just, it's a beautiful song, and I think it has a very music box quality to it. I love that you said music box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> because like, um, having listened to all the pixel remaster soundtracks, it's not common that they try to synthesize like a harpsichord, but they totally mm-hmm. do here. Um, and yeah. I think that that part of it gives that because harpsichord is something that's really common in like, you know, pre classical, classical music. Um, and it gives it that feeling of being home. Um, it feels like almost like a child is playing the piano, like in the way that it's a little sharp um, and it's a little tinny um, that little bit of Gaelic. And like, I love that it's in, it's almost, it almost feels like a waltz. Um, and for me, um, it, it, it just gave it such like a homey feel. And it, it, to me of the eight tracks we have today, it feels the most distinct, um, just because of the way that it's playing with sound in ways that are just a little bit different from a lot of the other stuff, like where everything else is really like flute and, um, percussion driven, like, the music drives it here in the way that it would a waltz and like this almost like strange, I can't, I'm really bad at time, but I think it's like three, four time. Um, and it makes it feel like really unique and homey. Um, and as a person who doesn't remember final fantasy five, I hope that makes sense. But that was what I was getting from it. To me, it just captures, I mean, the titles apt just captures a sense of home and sweet memories. Yeah. I like that you, were mainly introduced to this through the Dear Friends album because uh, so was I. Um, I don't know when when I first heard that. It's been a long time now, but it was long enough ago and I've heard it enough that I can't actually hear any version of the song anymore without, you know, picturing the vocals Thinking in my of the head. Vocals. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's it's a great arrangement. Not that we're talking about that one here today, but it I do like that it's a song that really lends itself well to all these different versions they've had over the years. But the music box quality of this particular one is really nice. I agree. Uh, More so than any other track uh, in this episode, I feel like this one is the most, uh, I guess, true to the original. Like, I love what this does and I love how it deepens it, but it feels very, very similar to the original uh, MIDI version. And then it goes into a few different places with the orchestration, with the strings and stuff. Um, Why I love this song is it's a very simple... Uh, melody and yet it communicates a ton of story uh it feels like it's like you said it feels like a hometown it feels like something you'd hear Mm. at like a small town festival um and that's really great because that's important in a game where there isn't a ton of story um again not hitting final fantasy 5 for that but it it, it isn't a lot of a lot of final fantasy 5 is told in tone uh, rather than story Uh, and something specifically that i really like about this track uh paradoxically is uh the town of licks where this song is played it's bart's hometown and it's actually super easy to miss like if you're not going crazy once you get the black chocobo because you need to you need to land unless i'm 
mistaken, you need to land uh, the Black Chocobo near Lix in order to get there. You might not even see the town, and therefore you might actually miss this song completely. Oh yeah, I almost missed it, actually. Yeah, that unfortunately also misses out on like the the bare-bones character development that Bartz gets in the game uh, when you land in this town. Like it, it, It's funny, it's great. But the town serves literally no narrative purpose in the game, aside from slightly deepening Bartz's character. Uh, Nothing happens in the town. Uh, The town gets fridged in the third half of the game. Uh, So, as motivation for Bartz, um, yeah. But this song, it's it's strange to me that such an iconic song that many, many people recognize can just be missed because I don't think it's anywhere else in the game. No, I think it's just there. Totally missable if you... I would not have guessed that this song is missable. Like, having not played the game, but knowing how important this one is at least my perception has been that it's a really key song for final fantasy V. i had no idea it was that was the context for it i would argue it's a key song for one of the characters in final fantasy V. but because character development is so put on the back burner in final fantasy V, uh it's missable so yeah Hmm. it's kind of fitting Uh, when you play it make sure you take your black chocobo for uh (laughs) some exercise and just land in all the forests where you might see some houses. That's good advice. Thank you. <laughs> I don't have a segue between any of that and Zach's song. So, Zach, this is I mean, it, they're pretty different. So, yeah. Uh, character development. You know who has lots of character development? Oh, yes. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Locke. Celeste. Uh. <laughs> You know, his is also missable. Her uh, Celeste's is less missable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I... This track has always been phenomenal. Um, like I, the mini version, I haven't heard any other versions. It doesn't matter. It's Celeste's theme. It's so good. Um, it, it's just so, um, it, it captures a level of like mystery and mournfulness that um, very few tracks in video games do. Um, and I love the way this track um, deals with some of those things um, and the way that it gives, I think like different emotions to like the different complexities of how, Celeste is feeling at one particular moment um, at the beginning of the second half of the game, we'll say. Um, so it's not to spoil anything for those who haven't played. Also, go play Final Fantasy VI, please. Yes. But um, the, the way that, like, I feel like the violins in particular, like, carry the sadness of this song in really, really strong ways. And then, like, the horns almost have, like, the tiniest bit, like, of the background hope that she might potentially feel in that moment as well, depending on how you get to that moment. Um, But it's just lovely. Um, And like the way the flute is almost like searching, um, it feels like like a searching sound, um, like where she's trying to find something. And like all those things combined together to get to who Celeste is as a person um, in in this moment of absolute despair um, in this game. Um, I I think it's phenomenal. I agree. put it succinctly i think in a game full of astonishing character themes that this one really does stand out um and what's kind of interesting about it unless i miss my casting my mind back i don't think we hear this character theme until well into the first half of the game uh, after the opera um i think the I first time we hear correct. it yeah i think we hear it first yeah. time in uh, uh just before the boat leaves albrook heading to uh heading to the Crescent Island. So it, it, it's really it's really held back. So you hear the opera way before you hear this theme. Um, what's kind of interesting to me is that, uh, you know, it's obviously, it's an instrumental version of her aria from the opera. Um, but despite the fact that Celis sings that crap out of this song of the opera, the lyrics of the opera have nothing to do with her overall storyline. 
Like, she isn't looking for a lost love. And yeah, there are some romantic overtures with Locke, but that's not it's not really developed in the game. It has nothing to do with who she is as a person. Like, I feel mm-hmm. her her overall storyline is, like you said, Zach, it's a search. Uh, I think she's looking for uh, family and a past um, and a new purpose uh, after she leaves, after she uh, betrays the Empire. I think she is looking for a purpose in the world. Um, and the the aria is about her, like, my, my most familiar with the uh, Super Nintendo lyrics, but, like, she's singing, I'm the darkness, you're the stars. Like, it's it's pretty traditional, kind of old-style uh, uh, aria sort of thing, and that's not who Celis is. So it, it's interesting to me that the music for me fits her perfectly, but the words to the music, which there are, uh, don't at all. That's a good point. Yeah, I I had forgotten actually that the you hear it as the opera before you hear it as her th- character theme. So it's kind of interesting that it became her character theme, given that how the words don't they fit Maria, not her. I like the way the instruments are used in this one. Um, I listened to the original, like just to compare a little bit. Not that I don't haven't heard it a thousand times, but um, I, there's a there's like this kind of like delicate feeling to the the instruments that they chose for this one and i like it um i think it works well with what zach said like the the parts of the song that have like kind of a more fragile feel i think that's emphasized a little bit with the way this one was arranged i think that works really well because of that so i i appreciate that there are certain arrangements uh from the pixel remasters that i am uh, that have made less of an impact on me and it's not because they're not gorgeous or brilliant interpretations of these songs. It's because I've heard orchestral reinterpretation of these songs before. Like, I've heard many versions of Celeste's theme and the aria. Um, and I think this is a particularly good one. But it's not like a lot of songs from, like, Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, where I've never heard uh, orchestrations like this before. Uh, see, it was more my first time hearing it, so it really... Nailed it? Yeah. Have you ever heard the MIDI version? No, I haven't. I need to. You should give it a listen. It's it's very, very interesting. I would be very interested to see what your reaction was going backwards uh, from mm-hmm. these versions to the originals and see how you react to those. I mean, I do feel like this this version is, at least with Salas' theme, is pretty faithful to what it's the very original true is to doing. Original. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's pretty powerful for a MIDI theme as well. Well, I, I think it, it goes back a little bit to what we said earlier on, where they didn't have to do as much with the later games. So I understand what I agree with you, actually, John, is that like this one didn't like hit me or surprise me when I heard it. It wasn't like, oh, wow, like this is completely different because it isn't. It, it's a it's an updated take on it, but it didn't need to be completely different. Like it didn't need that level of change or anything uh-huh. that would just like mm-hmm. knock you off your feet um, because it was already so good. I mean, that being said about the Aria, it's funny. Anyone who has listened to uh, Grand Finale uh, Final Fantasy VI Grand Finale has heard like a extraordinarily uh, good version of the opera sung through. Uh, so how do you up the ante? Well, you record like nine different versions of it in every frigging language you can think of. <laughs> um, so yeah, the uh, the aria blew me away. Like the versions of the aria in the Pixel Remaster just shocked me because wow. Yeah, it really gave some more context to that. Um, this is coming out three months later than you thought it would, but um, here's why. Yeah, and I, I feel like given the quality of that scene, I remember thinking, oh, I kind of wish this came out a year later than it was supposed to so we could get the whole game in this. 
Uh, well, that would so be pretty. Good. Maybe one day. Mm. They keep doing more and more with that HD2D style, so I would be shocked if they would do it for Dragon Quest three. Uh, I don't know why exactly three, but uh, and I not think apply three it to is the most popular one in Japan. Okay, all right. But like, I feel like if they're going to do it with Dragon Quest, at some point they're going to have to do it with some Final Fantasy game. My money says it's going to be Chrono Trigger. I agree. Mm-hmm. I would love that. Yes, it would be awesome if they announced Chrono Trigger two D HD at, at E three this year. I think every. I think we could hear each I other mean, I, screaming. I hope they the don't internet. because I might not be alive anymore. <laughs> I'll be so excited. <laughs> oh, okay, I was like, I was like, wow. I know things are tough right now, Zach. But like, <laughs> not even, even though I'm not that pessimistic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I appreciate your optimism, Jono. I appreciate that you still think e3 is relevant that's very sweet <laughs> i'm using e3 as a catch-all at this point i think e3 has evolved into however All many conferences are shoved into a two-week period <laughs> that's true that's true hey, i'm just gonna call it sometime this summer anyway i don't have a segue for crystal tower zach tell us about speaking crystal of tower. things that are done a lot so <laughs> <laughs> for it's the opposite wait I, that's bad uh, anyway <laughs> so i brought the crystal tower from final fantasy 3 i like that you've had both these songs on and not once have you introduced either one as an obvious pick because i know sometimes you think that you're picking obvious things you know my original thought was terrace theme but it's already been on the show before so and also eternal wind which has also been on the show in the last four weeks so the last four (laughs) episodes so you know these were my alternative picks which are still pretty obvious so thank you for reminding me i don't know about (laughs) that arguably celis's theme is is obvious but crystal tower i don't think that's obvious i think it's awesome i don't obviously you don't play final fantasy 14 (laughs) yeah yeah. okay that's fair yeah that's true (laughs) so no but you know what the you say obvious, I say important and essential. So that's fair. That's fair. Um, After Crystal Tower is my second song, and that's we're going back to Final Fantasy VI again um, with Searching for Friends, which is a song fairly late in the game, depending on how you play it. But so let's go listen to Crystal Tower and Searching for Friends.
So it is shocking to me that I chose uh, the theme for the Crystal Tower because I've heard a version of this so many times that it almost makes me a little bit ill to hear the real version of it. When I say real, I mean the version from Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, because anyone who plays fourteen knows that Alliance Raid Roulette really just means Circus Tower Roulette. Um, so I, I've heard a version of the song very, very, very many times. But I, I actually... Um, playing this game, first of all, one thing that struck me a lot was just how much Final Fantasy XIV pulls from it, but also how distinct um, the original version is and also the version of this this soundtrack is from the versions that I've heard elsewhere, because I played the 3DS version almost to the end and I'd heard the soundtrack a bunch of times and I've also heard the XIV version a bunch of times. And, the, and, the, and, and I guess to me, what struck me the most as I was listening to these... Um, was the contrast with the other tracks that I have heard, particularly the 3DS, or this, it was actually DS, um, in the 14 version. Um, because, like, the, the DS version of Final Fantasy III, like, uses a ton of vocals, um, and it feels, like, kind of soaring and kind of triumphant in its own way. Um, and the 14 version feels like, and, and this is not common for a 14 track, it feels like, at least for a, a, an Alliance raid, feels really mournful. Um, like there's a little bit of vocals, but not the same way that the DS version used it. And like the volume of piano and vocals there um, was really, um, it, it seems mournful. And if you've played all the way to Endwalker, you might understand why that might be the case now. But um, here, the just like the way that the whirling strings and like sort of like the insistent percussion and... Um, like the moments where they go quiet to piano and like the way, as John was talking about earlier, like the way that the track changes consistently from what was originally like a one minute MIDI track to this. Um, but also like giving you that like final dungeon feel and it, it's not quite the final dungeon, but it mostly is the final dungeon of final fantasy three. And it just feels so propulsive and so intense uh, compared to the other versions that I've heard, and it feels a lot more true to what they're doing in the original version, which I really liked. Actually, it's funny. I uh, I slightly disagree with you because when I think of the original NES version, I think it sounds like a it sounds like a pretty epic dungeon theme. Like there's a really epic quality, but because it's so short, it's just it drives it straight through. Because obviously, you know, it's just epic, 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 epic. And then uh, with this version. Uh, I feel like it starts out much more determined and driven than epic. There's almost militaristic feel with the percussion in the background. But then as the song continues and the horns and the strings really start to come in about a minute into the song, that's when I start getting that more epic feel uh, that is reflected in the original. So I feel like it, like you said, it, like it, it brings you through a number of different uh uh, feelings rather than just be one thing in a minute long loop. Um, whereas this, it takes you on a bit of a journey, but while still feeling like an incredible end game, not end game dungeon. That, that's fair. Uh, I, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the comparison to the 14 version is good though, because that one definitely does have less of a, a triumphant or that feel that you get in this version. So I can see that. And unfortunately, like for making comparisons to the original, like I I can't not compare this to 14 as well. So that would have also been my comparison. Um, I don't I, I'm guessing I have not heard it as much as you in 14. I'm thinking you might be doing that. I don't know. You've been playing this game for a lot longer than me, but I I hope you haven't. 
honestly. Well, yeah, but you you tend to do roulettes more than me uh, with true. your mentor status and however many commendations you're up to now. It's about 1,800, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess you've heard it more than me. So I, I think the other thing, too, and I don't. I admit I did not listen to the original version to compare on this one. I wish I had now that we're talking about comparing them, but I'm sure part of it too is just there is so much more breathing room a room, just room to add more of that in the Pixel Remasters because not having that loop, they could, they could really expand on those themes and that sense of adventure in this one. Yeah, it's a brilliant version. I, my experience with it has been the DS version as well, mostly, so... I really, I like both pieces, but I kind of think I prefer the Pixel Remaster. Just, it's very multi-tiered and just really awesome end game, not end game. But sort of end game. Sort of end game, yeah. I mean, like, the, the end game of Final Fantasy III is literally the Crystal Tower raids. So, <laughs> I mean, Labyrinth of the Ancients, Crystal Tower, and World Darkness. It's not really a spoiler, I promise. Um, so yeah, it was really cool to play 3 after I haven't played 14, so yeah, that was fun. What I'm hearing is that Final Fantasy 14 is the spiritual sequel to Final Fantasy 3. I actually think that's probably yeah. fair. I think that of all the ga- all the Final Fantasies it pulls from, it's probably mostly more 3 than anyone, except for maybe 6. I don't know, it's close. I mean, that's what I've gotten from listening to everyone talk about this game for so many podcasts, yeah. is that, I mean, it, like the, the job system and everything, it, it really does pull a lot from Final Fantasy 3. Mm-hmm. And I guess it does too, because rather, like it's much like Final Fantasy 3, you know, it's supporting characters that carry the storyline rather than you, like most MMORPGs. Yeah, that's fair. It's true, too. Oh, Onion Knights. <laughs> I'm still waiting for them to add that class to 14. <laughs> I think it would look really weird unless you're a Lollafell. It, it just wouldn't <laughs> feel fair. right. I mean, you can, you can dress like one now. The That's hat's true. in there. You can. Yeah. yeah, it is. All new hires from RPG fans should be called Onion Knights. <laughs> Ooh. Until they pass, until they pass their, uh, their probationary, three-month period. probationary period. Oh, then they can okay. choose a class. I like that. <laughs> they get their first job crystal at the three month point. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, except that would mean everyone gets hired on and has no direction. And you just have to tell them, it's like, well, go find something to do for three months. <laughs> <laughs> that might work for some people, but we'll see. So um, I, I would like to say I had a tough time picking a song from six, but I did not. Um, there are a ton of character themes in six that I adore. Um, of course, there's the opera course there's the final boss theme um if i really wanted to make uh people suffer and just deliver an, a ridiculously long episode the ending theme from six is one of my favorite ending theme medleys from any rpg um 16 minutes i think that'd be a problem because I, I was tempted to pick dancing mad so <laughs> <laughs> just gonna play the last last 30 minutes of final fantasy six for you yep so as much as one can argue that something from Final Fantasy VI is underrated. I really feel like musically anyway, I think this song is one of them. Um, when you see VI show up in um, like distant worlds like concerts or other arrangement albums, I it's very rare for this song to appear because it's not as popular as some others. Um, but ever since I played the game uh, what year? 94? So I was 13 when I played this. Um, it's been one of my favorite songs on the album. Like, and I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm always surprised that it doesn't show up more often because it is just, it's like almost like what we talked about with Crystal Tower, the sense of adventure and this determination 
And like, I can't ever hear it without reminding, you know, thinking of the entire sequence that leads up to it because I'm trying to decide how much to get into. But, you know, in the second half of the game, you don't have, uh, for a while, you don't have an airship. You don't have this mode of transportation. Like you're back on foot and like trying to get around this place you ended up in. So um, I won't go into the details of how or why, but like when you get into this part and you get this airship back, like it's a big, for me, it was a huge moment. It's like, oh, well now like the world is opened up to me again. Like there's so much that you have to do or want to do anyway. Like for me, as much as much as the second half of the game is non-linear, like I can never play it in a way of like, well, I'll just skip these parts because I I do all of it. Please find a person who plays the game and doesn't do that because I don't want to be their friend. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Speaking I, of searching for friends. Exactly. So like it that was just it's always like hit me. It's like this major, major moment because now you can go wherever you want and do whatever it is you want to do, go help who you need to help. And um, I just think I'm really talking about the game and the story, but like, that's one of the reasons this song like has always resonated so strongly with me. It's an apt title too. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're going to be doing everything. I um, you know, There are two things this time around that struck me um, with the song. And I agree. I think this song is fantastic. Um, you know, the whole soundtrack is of course, but um it's particularly the way that like the sound consistently layers as you go. Um, and it always makes me think of like adding and adding and adding. And it's not like anything goes away. Like in a lot of the tracks we've talked about earlier, like it's like the melody gets replaced. Uh, I could say it's a flute, which you know is used very frequently in these tracks with a piano, with a violin, with, I don't know, rock opera guitar or whatever. <laughs> um, and here it's like, it starts the flute then it gets the harp and then like more orchestral and like things just keep building and building and building. And it always mm-hmm. feels like that seems appropriate to me to what the song is doing, given what you're doing as Audra was talking about earlier. Um, yeah. But I also really like the way that I, I don't know what the name of this percussion is, percussion instrument is. And if I'm wrong, please tell me, Jono, because I trust you. Um, but it sounds like there's like a kibasa, like kind of in the background as you're going that almost sounds like a train. Um, but it also feels like a um, like a wheel might sound um, like it's I, I don't even know how to imitate the sound. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to embarrass myself that badly. <laughs> Just like the way that it feels like this forward momentum, um, like this like with this really interesting instrument, um, I thought was great. Um, and the way that it moves back and forth with a little bit of jazzy and like it just there's so many things happening here in a way that makes like perfect sense. And this track I thought was like, this is what I heard when I played this game originally, like in my head this made sense to me. I don't think I can add much about uh, the orchestration of this version uh, because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's terrific. It takes uh, th- this orchestration takes the song to some very interesting places when it hits the repeat. Um, I feel like, you know, it's when the strings come in, it's, it feels very epic and sweeping and the whole world is stretched out before you. Uh, but what occurred to me about this song when I was listening to it is it really does stand in contrast, almost every other airship theme in every other final fantasy game up to this point. Because before this, uh, when you get your when you get your airship, uh, you get this theme that like gives you it, it's a theme of like freedom and exploration and adventure. You can go anywhere. Whereas this theme uh, instead gives you like a it's very epic, but it gives you an air of melancholy, uh, which is improvement over the sense of dread that the world of Rune gives you. Uh, the overworld theme of the world of Rune, just the bomb, 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 bomb. And it also gives you like this sense of direction. This is what I feel listening to this song, and not just this version, like every every version of this song. This ha- it has a sense of direction, like it's heading somewhere, which creates this really weird dichotomy. 
because with the airship theme in the world of balance uh the music gives you this sense of freedom but you're locked into a linear story progression whereas in the world of rune uh you have a it, the music gives you a sense of direction but you're in a non-linear world where you can find your friends in any order you wish and i just think that's interesting but that's just how i interpret the feeling of the song no i mean i like it i, I think everyone's had really good insights into this one i mean even some stuff i hadn't considered like i like the idea of how the song builds and layers which the original did a little bit but not not to this extent as best it could yeah exactly i think i think the the kind of the flute style at the beginning really it starts off very similar to the original because like that's a big prevalent instrument in the original version and it, it's kind of a good uh i always liked it because it, it's almost a throwback to terrorist theme it's like it's the it's similar to the overworld theme you hear for a mm-hmm. good part of the game um, but then it goes in its own direction it also was a a build-up very similar to uh the overworld theme from final fantasy 4 like the it doesn't just jump straight into the theme. It has the dun, 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 That's true. Dun. Yeah. yeah. Whereas 4 has the So it, it leads up to both both the themes. See, Zach, Jonna did the sounds for you, so you don't have to. I really appreciate that, Jonna. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. I'm glad this didn't end in a decisive battle between us about the sounds. Thank you. Thank you for that perfect segue. Oh, that yeah, that's your cue, by the way. So what, what's your next song, Jonna? Oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing the decisive battle from final fantasy six beautiful um and then uh surprisingly we're actually going to close the show out with final fantasy two um i know but that's, that's only, a shocker that, i know but like the song you chose because of the name of the song uh, i thought it was a good way of closing out so what's our last song today Audrey? it's very fitting it's yeah. finale from final fantasy two pixel remaster well there you go all right let's go listen to the decisive battle and then finale
Okay, I uh, I love a good battle theme, uh, and Final Fantasy is loaded with good battle themes. Um, but in terms of my preference for boss battle themes, I think that Decisive Battle from Final Fantasy VI might be my favorite in the entire series. Um, I just love it. I think it. I think it's so epic and intense, and it's such a the the battle themes in Final Fantasy VI are terrific, like the usual battle theme and the, the just overworld map kind of thing. But like when I hear this right from the like the second I hear that, I'm like, okay, we're in for a fight, um, which is what the song should do. Um, in the original version, like I know that the SNES sound card is doing its best to replicate uh, an electric guitar, but not quite. But this version has, it, it's like, it's an electric guitar and it's rocking out. Uh, whereas other battle themes in previous games are very like orchestral uh, with some rock influences occasionally. This feels like a flat out rock opera type song. Uh, I think the electric guitar is amazing in it. Uh, I love the way that the guitar builds tension through the first part of the song and then that tension is released uh, by the strings coming in on the bridge section uh, that just it just releases it and lets and then lets it build again from there uh, to be honest I'm always disappointed when battle to the death which is the second boss theme I think uh, comes in and basically replaces this one because I, I think boss to the death is fine but I, I just don't think that it has the same drive it doesn't get the blood pumping in the same way that this version does. And I think, I, I mean, there's a lot of songs. The pixel remasters add a lot uh, musically to Final Fantasy, but I think this song gets the biggest, one of the biggest payoffs uh, from the actual uh, orchestra or the orchestral uh, version. And uh, now Zach and I will have a decisive battle. <laughs> you know, this song did get my blood, pump, blood pumping, but um, maybe not the best way. Um, I thought I was having kind of an anxiety attack as I was listening to the song. Um, <laughs> I, I I just feel like um, so it goes back to something we were talking about earlier um, about how like I heard it a certain way and maybe it was just like I've I played this game relatively recently and like elect like synthesized electric guitar was not the thing that I heard. Um, like I was like oh it's like a swelling violin track um, and like to me. That is what I always heard, and I think that that has colored my ability to sort of see this. But like when I was listening to it this time, I was like, "Oh, there's no quiet parts. Oh, it's all just the same motif over and over again." And and I, I felt like dissimilarly to the earlier tracks we've talked about, I felt like it doesn't change much throughout. Um, like that drum kit like sound kind of just like moves through the electric guitar, kind of moves through. Um, like it feels very steady in intensity in a way that the others felt steady in intensity, but I think they had more movement um, in terms of like what they were doing in concentration or things like that. And I didn't like it because it just felt like uh, not to quote Amadeus, but it felt like too many notes. Um, and I didn't, I didn't love this track, but I'm glad you liked it, Jono. I'm, I'm not hurt that you, uh, that you didn't like it. I guess this wasn't a very decisive. No, it was decisive. It was decisive in that we both came down and we both agreed that to disagree. <laughs> Indeed, decisive. <laughs> I really thought it stayed in my head. Um, I think it's an interesting discussion because, as much as so many of these games did not, um, or so many things in six didn't change a whole lot, it is an interesting take. Um, like. I don't know that I heard like strings or violins like back in the day when I heard it, but I I guess I also didn't really picture rock 
But at the same time, I, I always wonder if like maybe that's what Uematsu was picturing because, you know, it was only a handful of years after Six came out that he started like putting together the Black Mages and this was one of the songs on their first album. So, you know, maybe maybe that was his intent and we just never knew at the time. Um, but I listening to him back to back, I, I do I do like what you pointed out, Zach, is that the original version does have some breathing room. Like there is some more ups and downs and like, I don't know. I think it has a little more variety, like regardless of what the instrumentation is. Like, I think I'm okay mm. with the, the rock sound, but I think I like that it kind of goes down, you know, in and out on the original a little more. Yeah. This one's more, it builds up. It's so interesting to me that, uh, that you, uh, you guys have never, uh, you guys weren't hearing electric guitars in the uh, original MIDI version. Like to my ear, even today, like if I listen to it, I'm hearing MIDI electric guitars. Well, I don't know that I wasn't. I just, I never, I guess I never thought of like, like, you know, if this was a real instrument, it would be this. Um, but I think it's more, I think it's more the different way that the song is presented is what I catch between the two of them. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just am like, <laughs> wow, I actually genuinely I'm listening to it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what else it would be. Interesting. Mm. Um, I mean that's the that's the beauty of the beauty of the sixteen bit era. Tricks, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you got true. not. It wasn't just the pronunciation of the names that uh, were up to interpretation. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's funny because like I, I don't want that to be like the I because I, I actually think what's something that Mike said is more accurate to what my struggle with this track is, which is I always felt like as soon as I came into the fight in Final Fantasy VI, like it was like. Like it was hitting hard, and then like as I was choosing my actions, it got quieter. And then like as like the rounds were going, it started to build, and then it moved up and down and back and forth. And like I feel like most of the Pixel Remaster tracks are brilliant at doing that, and I feel like this is just like one big like wall of sound. Um, to say something nicer about it than I actually think, um, and it just. It just didn't work for me, I guess. I thought it made for a pretty intense boss battle theme, actually. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I, st- I mean, I still think whether you, you know, whatever you feel about it, I think it's the better, I think it's one of the better battle themes. Because I know, I don't think, I'll, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I don't think Final Fantasy VI's normal battle theme is quite as well regarded as some others in the series. Um, their boss battle themes are fantastic, though. Yeah. Um, again, it's just a matter of, I guess taste, and in terms of this, I just love the rock feel of it, and I I, I have since the beginning. So it's it's just a matter of uh, what you go for. Have you ever played um, Xenoblade, Jono? Believe it or not, no. Okay, well you absolutely should. I, I really should. Yes, I know. They obviously really like Xenoblade with this track. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Again, not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I you're not going to find someone who likes Xenoblade here, except for maybe Tyler, more than me. <laughs> it's interesting how. Uh, these songs. Uh, this is something that's fascinating about Rhythm Encounter in general. Uh, there are some songs that just work really, really well in isolation, and there are other songs where you might need the context of the game to really get the full effect. And I'm curious if a battle theme is in that category. Like, I haven't played uh, the Pixel Remaster of Final Fantasy uh, six yet, but how does this hit if you are in the middle of a boss battle? Oh, it hits pretty well. I think it really captures the intensity of a fight kind of a frantic fight actually hmm. with atb trying... that makes sense that's cool yes yep I, I think it actually kind of captures atb quite well i'm sure i will play the pixel remaster version at some point don't you worry so yeah 
Maybe I'm wrong. And you're probably not, though. It's, again, it's up to interpretation. Yeah. No, no one's wrong here. It, it's funny. It's, like, it's, the fir- <laughs> it's the first song in all of these that we actually had any, like, real debate over. So it's been interesting to talk about. It's it's really hard to have a decisive battle when everyone's like, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> See? It worked out. They're all good points, though. Speaking of decisive moments in video games there are also finales where you no longer play video games that was really good right yeah <laughs> yeah that makes it sound like we're all gonna die Zach, <laughs> i think it just means like well i'm i have played final fantasy 2 so i'm done with video games now <laughs> that's fair you know what else is decisive a finale <laughs> yes yes and it's very fitting for a song that plays during the end credits <laughs> which i think this pretty much captures that sense of the journey and epic adventure being over with kind of very well it's final fantasy 2 is a story about a war and it's the closing of the war and the resolution of it and i think it just captured that pretty well in a very sweeping feeling intensive way yeah i mean i think that um this is a really beautiful song i had never heard it before and i didn't listen to the original but i like the way that like the Lyrical strings come in um, and the percussion comes in, but it all resolves really tightly and really neatly throughout. Like every time, like there's like a swell, it then resolves and there's a swell and it resolves and it builds and it resolves. And when the oboe comes in, it resolves. And when like the timpani comes in, it resolves and like everything, like there's like a resolution to everything in this. Um, and it's a really beautiful track. Um, I was really glad that you brought this on, Audra. Um, it's probably my favorite track from the game, actually. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, like, it's really lovely. Um, I enjoyed listening to it a lot. Um, but I, I, it just felt like, and there's like a little bit of like formality to it. A little bit, like it felt like a little, like a little bit of a march underneath some of it. But at the end of the day, like it felt like it all was really tidy and like mm-hmm. it, it makes sense for an nes star wars video game yes <laughs> which is my impression of this of final fantasy 2 you're not wrong <laughs> yeah i i really feel like i maybe shouldn't be like talking too much smack about a game i haven't played yet i'm just based on what i hear about too i will say though like this is actually our second song from final fantasy 2 jono brought one on a while ago and uh so far we're we're doing pretty well because both two songs have been just gorgeous two has some good music you can definitely give it that if nothing else far be it for me to uh compliment a basically a saga game but uh <laughs> the music the music in this game is stunning i actually have very uh strong memories associated with this uh theme because it's included on the final fantasy symphonic suite album uh from the ni- late 1980s early 90s i think and uh very very Back in the day when I was like an uh, early teenager, this was one of the first Final Fantasy albums I actually uh, listened to. I unfortunately did not buy it. I think I downloaded it on Napster or Kazaa uh, because it was I was like 12. Um, and I didn't know that you could import things from you know Japan. Uh, but this is a track on it. And because of that, I have I would I use like I, I loaded it up on I think I can't remember if it was my iRiver MP3 player or <laughs> I had another MP3 player before that that had like little little discs that you could copy that were that you could copy to and put like 10 songs on. You put it into the anyway. Um, and I would just like walk around my neighborhood on a nightly walk listening to the Symphonic Suite album. And this was one of my favorite tracks on it. 
Um, this version in comparison to that is very, very similar. Uh, that being said, it's a little bit more dynamic. Uh, there's a, some there's some extra instrumentation, including the woodwinds at the beginning, which is absolutely lovely. Uh, and there are, there are some changes in tempo uh, throughout that uh, shape the song in a very lovely way. Um, but all in all, I, I think you're right, uh, Audra. This is a wonderful way to end a epic adventure. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's very peaceful, uh, but it still is driving forward with purpose. Uh, there's no tension in this song that really that really like makes you feel like there you know the worst is still to come or there's another battle ahead. It feels like a it feels a like resolution. a resolution. Yeah, yeah, it's a finale. And it does a really good job of being a finale. I can't agree more. Yeah, same here. I, sh I should mention, uh, I wasn't sure if you were going to, so I'm going to jump in and mention, and we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes too, but if you have not heard uh, episode 54 of Rhythm Encounter, that's when we had, uh, that's when Jono pulled on that song from Symphonic Suite. Um, and I, that was just to go back for a minute, but like that was a really interesting discussion because I hadn't realized at the time that they had released the symphonic album at a time when I think it was before Final Fantasy three came out. And like that just blew my mind that they were doing some kind of live music like back then in the late eighties. So it was just Final Fantasy one and two, I think, because those are the only Final Fantasies they had. So I definitely recommend that episode as well. I'm casting my mind back to remember that episode and I'm just drawing a complete and utter blank because that's how time works now. I mean, episode 54 was in like late 2019. No, late 2020. Still, it was it was almost it was almost 20 episodes ago. Yeah. Wow. I mean, don't get me wrong. I looked at our spreadsheet. I didn't remember off the top of my head that it happened to be in episode 54. So don't, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Well, this was a great mix of songs everyone um i think we it's it's impossible to like really cover like the breadth of the soundtracks to six games in a single episode but i think we touched on some really important highlights so i appreciate all, all the of soundtracks you are awesome yes that's true and they're available now sort of it, yeah i mean again hopefully by the time this publishes you can just like click links and go to itunes or spotify or wherever and just get them uh, definitely worth listening to um, whether you like like and know the originals or not. I mean, Audra, not to single you out, but Audra and actually everyone who's reviewed the pixel remasters for, for RPG fan, like, you know, Jono, you had this thing where you wanted people who reviewed the remasters who have not experienced the originals mostly. And I think that was a good call to see like, if they still work and resonate with, you know, mm -hmm. people now. See through a newcomer's eyes. Yeah. There's, there's no way I could have played Final Fantasy four and not been like, this is the greatest game of all time. So yeah, it was a good call. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I just wanted an excuse to make Audra play Final Fantasy th uh, six. <laughs> and I am grateful for it. Cause that was an awesome game. Yeah. Zach, what you would have reviewed for and be like, Zach, you can't really give every, every category at 100 <laughs> it's fair it deserves it's like if you let me review so we get into yes yeah <laughs> you know it would it would be as like imbalanced and over you know and overly high score as like mike mike salvato's review of skyward sword yeah i've read that oh, oof. 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 <laughs> it's a good review mike i mean i mean okay i I hope it's a good review. It's been so long since I wrote it, but I'm it really pretty is. sure I gave it a 98, which is ridiculous. I just really liked it. When I was it moving things over to our current site, <laughs> I read it and I was like, this is a good review for a review score I don't agree with. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's fair. I don't know if I would Decisive agree with it in, in hindsight. <laughs> 
Um, I Another might, decisive battle. I might give that score to the HD one because it fixes the things that really, some of the things that are really wrong with it. But that's another discussion. Um, yeah. So again, thank you all. This was has been a good episode, even though we have a not so secret bonus track coming up later. But um, <laughs> before we get to that, let's talk about what's coming next. So coming up next on Rhythm Encounter is Final Fantasy 13. Uh, that's an episode we've been talking about getting together for a long time. And since Final Fantasy 13 is three games, there's a lot to a lot of music to draw on. So I'm excited for that one. Um, I think it's going to be a good a good lineup. We have four people on that one, so. Please look forward to that one in a couple of weeks. We are not talking about what's coming after that just yet. We have some surprises lined up. Um, I will say to tease a little bit in advance here that we do have an episode coming up in June to celebrate the anniversary of a game that's very, very important to RPG fan history. So that's that's the only clue I'm going to give you, but I'm very much looking forward to that. That'll come out in late June. So I can tell you that much for now. When we get closer, we'll we'll talk about it a little more. But we, we have some good ideas coming up. So uh, if you have ideas for future shows or if you want to share feedback on this or any other episode, you can email us at music at rpgfan.com. Uh, remember that the if you're looking, if you're listening either on the website or your podcast player, um, there is either a track list. There's a track list and other links to albums uh, where you can listen to these albums and possibly buy them if the links work. So please be on the lookout for that. Um, if you want to contact me uh, personally outside of the show, you can reach me at Mike at RPGFan.com. Um, what's the best way for people to reach you, Jono? Uh, you can find me on the site at JLoganRPGFan.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan. Or if you have something for Random Encounter, you can send it to podcast at RPGFan.com. Beautiful. How about you, Audra? Audra B at RPGFan.com. And I am Twitterless at the moment. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, good for you. No tweets. (laughs) Tweetless. Um, How about you, Zach? What's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, The best way is probably emailing me at ZachW at RPGFan.com. You can also find me on our Discord at ZachW. Perfect. Yeah, so again, drop us a message if you want. If you're not familiar with RPG Fan's other shows, uh, be sure to also check out Random Encounter, which is our general and current podcast. why am I introducing it, Jono? You should introduce Random Encounter. Yeah, uh, we talk about uh, we talk about games, games that are coming out right now, games that have come out recently. Uh, we talk about recent news, basically anything that floats into my head at the time. That works. Well, sometimes it does, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think more often than not it does, so don't worry. Fingers crossed. So along with, along with Random Encounter, we also have Retro Encounter that posts every Thursday and that is about retro games, which involves a game journal every month about, a, you know, a couple episodes playing through an older game and then some other fun episodes in between. So be sure to check them out every Thursday. What is it? 357? I always get my numbers off because I know what's coming up and I forget what has posted. Uh, recently, uh, 328, I think, was Super Metroid. You're right. Why did I think it was? Okay. I don't know, but it was a great episode. It was so much fun to do. It was. Yes. Yeah, talking about uh, talking about the the classic RPG, Super Metroid. I mean, it's <laughs> one of my favorites. Ah, yes. So many roles you can play. <laughs> if you enjoyed this show or any of our other shows, uh, we would love it if you could review, subscribe, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever it is you're listening. Um, that means a lot to us. So I think that's all of our housekeeping. Uh, so we have a bonus track now, and I'm pretty sure I know where our person ended up. So. 
who has a bonus track and what are we closing out on? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, we were talking about this for a while and we were talking about what we want to close the episode out with and what would be the best. And we, we thought, oh, the opera. But then the opera is basically just Salas' theme. Let's go for something else. And we realized if we're going to close it out, we've, we've got to go with the Chocobo theme. It, it's necessary. It just needs to be a Chocobo theme. So I was like, ah, what is the quintessential Chocobo theme? And I listened to all of them and I was like, you know what? I, in my mind, because again, it's my first RPG, the Chocobo theme that defined Chocobos in my mind was Final Fantasy IV. So uh, yeah, we're going to be listening to Samba de Chocobo as closing out tonight. I love it. Awesome. I don't really think you can go wrong with any of them. So I always would have said I love it, but good choice. <laughs> Oh man, it's like we're doing a karaoke episode. That would be great. A karaoke Chocobo episode. Let's do it. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank all of you for being here. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Let's go listen to Samba de Chocobo and we'll see you all next time. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. trying to mute before my cat makes noise oh i haven't even heard your cat i've heard it a few times but it's it's totally fine your cat rarely shows up when i do a when i do a uh, remove silence pass
Uh, and when the cat does, the cat usually ends up in the bloopers. So, <laughs> yes, so much to say about Final Fantasy. Wow. 